With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Bryant with Wildcat Radio, and you can't see right now, but my tail is in between my legs because I posted this podcast late, and I apologize. There's something that came up, um, and it's a good show, too, which is, uh, and it's very relevant still. First, because we swept ASU, so suck it. Um, and the second is we have Ralph Amson on, and Ralph really knows not only the ASU program is a really good fan and, and just knows the ins and outs of that program as that rivalry continues, uh, but he's one of the premier experts when it comes to Arizona football on the high school front. So as Arizona continues to recruit in Tucson and in Phoenix and try to bring in that talent, um, there's no better person to bring on that kind of knows the schools, the areas where we need to be focused, um, and he really does bring the good. So enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen... What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And hey, Arizona basketball swept ASU, uh, beat them in Tempe by two on an Azulis Tabellis. Maybe it was a putback of a James Akinjo missed three, or maybe it was just a lay in after a great pass from Akinjo. Either way, that was a win. Then a few days later, Arizona played ASU again, this time in Tucson, beat them in. 80 to 67 in a game that wasn't even that close. So, Hey, that that's nice. Yeah. I mean, normally you wouldn't get that excited for sweeping two straight games against the last place team, but it's ASU <laughs> and our, and our ostensibly our rival. Yeah. I mean, Hey, this is the most talented team in ASU's history. So, Oh yeah. I, yeah. I heard that a lot. <laughs> I, Obviously, Arizona is not going to the tournament. We, every time we talk about the program and what they're doing, I think we have to bring that up because there is that context with them this season. They're not going to any tournaments. This isn't for seeding. It's not, oh, wow, if they look good like this, then what could they do in March? Like, that's not going to happen. But this was nice, number one, because it's your rival, in quotes, sure. But it's just Arizona, again, playing good basketball, growing as a team in a time when they could have easily fallen apart. The game against ASU in Tempe, for instance, Arizona got a lead early on. Then we're trailing in the second half late, came back and won the game. Of course, that led to Bobby Hurley and ASU complaining about officials, but sorry. Then they come down to Tucson, and Arizona came out in that game and was just, they dominated early on. I don't have the numbers in front of me because I don't do show prep very well. But you kind of wondered how each team would come out in that game, right? Because it was a close game in in Tempe, and ASU thought they should have won, which was garbage, but they thought that. Arizona, though, came out playing well. They were fired up. They were into that game. ASU clearly did not. And to me, that is a testament to Sean Miller and what he's done with this team and maybe an indictment of Bobby Hurley and what he's done with ASU. 
Yeah, I, let's start. I'll start with the more recent game. Yeah, uh, the more blowout game. Um, the first, what most of the first half, at least the first ten minutes of the first half uh, of the game, that was some of the best team defense and on-ball defense, and just highly active, getting your hands on a lot of balls, knocking things away, really aggressive defense defensive play without fouling. And it it showed up in you know ASU being an awful shooting team. Uh, certainly helped, but Arizona was getting rebounds. They were giving up a lot of second shots, despite a lot of long, a long, a lot of long rebound attempts. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was an interesting time because it's back-to-back rivalry week games, but there's no or rivalry team games, but there was no fans. So you know, I didn't, I wasn't sure if it was going to be as weird like the normal ASU U of A game rivalry, where something weird generally is always bound to happen and mm-hmm. it deviates towards competitive games, which that happened in the first one, I would argue. And even a little bit towards the end of the second one, but I would have thought that without fans, the the weirdness wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't come through. But it proved me wrong. Um, but you know, I I I went on the record early, and I th- I think I tweeted it out early, and I text. I think you were the first person I said halfway through the or second half, maybe the first game that I'm calling it now. Win or lose, Arizona's winning by at least ten <laughs> in the next game. And because I I just. I don't believe ASU's team, for all their talent, is very good. I think they're very analogous to the Washington team uh, last year that was like 11th or 12th in the Pac-12, but had multiple NBA-type guys on it that just still aren't. They're they're less than the sum of their parts. Um, and I think to your point, you know, the Wildcats came out ready to play in the second game uh, on Monday night. Bobby Hurley's Sun Devils did not. Yeah, and <laughs> they, we. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, that that to me is a reflection of, you know, the the both teams came out in that game as a, the purest reflection of their coaches. Arizona came out hard nosed and energetic on defense, and Bobby Hurley's team came out begging for calls and jacking threes. Yeah, it took them nearly seven minutes to get their first bucket, and they had some decent looks. They also took a lot of bad shots, and they missed them. And like we could spend a lot of time on what's wrong with ASU, and there's a lot wrong with them. But if you look at Arizona, this was a team that was finished or picked to finish about what midway through mid, middle of the Pac-12, right? Fifth, I think, is where they were at for the preseason poll. And you know they've done this without Kirk Carissa, without Daniel Bacho. Jamal Baker's missed the last handful of games with his injury. Ben Matherin got hurt in this game towards the end of the first half. Now the game was over by halftime. We know that. You know it got a little closer in the second half. But even Sean Miller said he's like, we ran out of players. You know, they basically tried to play the clock for most of the second half, which when you have a 22-point lead, that's easier to do. You know, so I you could look at the second half, how ASU, they got within nine, I think with a couple minutes left, and people are like, oh, look at this, it's happening. Well, if Arizona makes some free throws, they blow them out still. And the game was never that close, right? Like, you're looking for a Herculean effort from ASU to come back in that game because Arizona, for 30 minutes or so, they were very much in control of that basketball game. And then they made enough free throws down the stretch. Remy Martin turned the ball over a couple times, and you know justice was was served. But <laughs> when I look at what Arizona did here, it's it almost reminds you of the best Arizona teams. Like, yeah, they, they're going to beat ASU. It might be ugly, but they're going to beat them, and they should blow them out at home, which they typically have done. Even in their other than the year a couple or a couple years ago with the Brandon Randolph team and Brandon Williams, where they got swept, Arizona just destroys ASU in Tucson. And if they lose in Tempe, it's close. But otherwise, they win. Like Arizona was the better team, and I think that says something, because this was supposed to be ASU's most talented team. We can joke about it all we want, and it's really funny 
that their most talented <laughs> team is in last place right now. But this Arizona team, we always looked at it and said, what's the best case scenario for them? This was forget the fact that they can't go to the tournament, just what they could be with this collection of parts. And there's a lot of people who think Sean Miller's his best job in a long time. And you can make that case because if you don't think this is the most talented team he's had, and there's no clear surefire NBA draft picks. There's no clear surefire one and dones on this roster. And they're now twelve and three, six and three in the Pac twelve. That's better than most people thought they'd be. It's better than or it's probably about as our best case scenario is what we're seeing. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think preseason, I think I, I was on the record thinking they'd be more should be more like third or fourth in the in the pack. Yeah. Um which is not really that much more than I think they were media poll was like fifth or sixth, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think that I think the thing that's pretty exciting, you know, they're playing these games also without the guy who is their starting two guard most of the season in Jamal Baker, right? Kirk Carissa is still out. Daniel Bacho has been out all season long, so it's not even like they've had the full complement of players to date. Um, but you really like some of the development, you know, the low key star of the of the. I want to say the weekend because it's like two games in a week. Um, you know, Terrell Brown mm-hmm. killed it quietly in both games. I think he was maybe even the the leading scorer in the in the in the game Monday night with 18. Um, James Akinjo played. You know, he seems to be a guy that can raise to the level of uh, what's needed in bigger games, whether it's you know hype or against high end players. Like he was pretty great. Well, he needs need to pass the ball or score. He scored more on Thursday in yeah. Tempe, and he passed the ball more in Tucson. He had six assists and just one turnover in Tucson. Like, that's that's good. Yeah. And, I mean, Azulis Tubelis was kind of god-awful, the tip-in notwithstanding. Um, you know, he had five turnovers in the in the game in, in Tempe and just kind of looked lost half of the game, but he came back with a really strong game uh, Monday night. Mm-hmm. You know, even Christian Coloco was getting much more aggressive out there and trying to dunk on guys and didn't always work out. But (laughs) he was so active on defense. He became, you know, he makes himself into a force. Right. Um, So in terms of the development of the players and obviously, you know, Ben Matherin is was it keeps looking more and more like the 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 slowly breaking out star of the roster until he he went down uh Kind of it seems like rolled his ankle, high ankle sprain. Yeah, fortunately, it looked to, a lot worse than it ended up being. Yeah. What they're saying it looked like an ankle sprain compared to what we thought Achilles or knee or something. Well, it was a weird play where Remy Martin was, you know, oh, I don't know, maybe trying to get a foul call more than actually make a shot. He would never do such a thing. No, that doesn't maybe, sound like Remy at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sidebar. Can I go on a tirade about Bobby Hurley's BS complaining about? Do you the need end any of that? kind of intro for that, or did you just want to go for it? I just kind of want to go for it. The floor is yours. You, there is absolutely no way any reasonable official would make a foul call in that position. It was less of a foul than the no call last season in Tempe with uh, um, Josh Green, who got much more contact with more initiation from the defender. And in that moment, if you go watch, I've watched that thing 20 times. Remy Martin was trying to get a foul call and not actually trying to take a legit shot. For first first priority was to get the foul. Second priority was to get a shot, and you absolutely should not reward somebody in that in that situation. Lord knows I hate Pac-12 refs, but that was the right no call in that situation. And Bob Bobby Hurley to complain about that for the first three straight minutes of that press conference was ridiculous. 
Okay, that was the context. That was from Thursday's win in Tempe where Arizona went at the end because there was that controversy. Did Remy Martin get fouled? Maybe. But at the same time, <laughs> like they talk about Remy as a wildcat killer. I think he's now 3-5 and five against Arizona all time. Been swept twice. Was part of one sweep, and then they split last season. He has turned himself into a very dislikable player. He's a talented player. But as far as point guards go, I'd rather have a Kinjo. <laughs> you know? Oh, like, absolutely. Like, even in the game in Tucson, Remy, he ended up finishing 8 of 19. I think he had, like, five points in the first half. Then he started making some of those long threes in the second half, which is what he does. But, like, the flopping, the complaining to the refs, just the way he plays. Like, at the free throw line, when Arizona guys are shooting, he's always waving his arms around trying to mess with their shots. Like, what do you need a current distraction for in Tempe? You have the guy right next to the free throw. Like, it's just... And he's not the type of guy... Like, U of A fans hate Freight Comiskey because he was just a, you know, granted that was the Elite Eight twice. Or Bryce Alford, or you could argue Peyton Pritchard. There's been guys who you hate because, like, oh, they're just, God, God, I hate that guy because he's just been so good and has beat Arizona, right? That's not Remy Martin. Remy Martin, you just dislike, it's like, Jesus, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, well, like you're a I, senior. There was the one play, I forget, was it Ben Matherin stole the ball? cleanly there was another there's a camera angle i think you retweeted it adam i did i made like, i made a how, let me get try to get this right i made a gif of that Ugh, gif damn it <laughs> um yeah <laughs> where it shows the ball being clearly cleanly stolen and he turns to complain to the referee mid-play then while well, ben matherin streaks down the court and he tries to catch up to do like a little ole half-hearted attempt to defend him on giving up a layup and it's like god you're just i don't i don't like peyton pritchard i respect that guy and i hate that he's as good as he is and maximizes his talent and remy martin is the guy that is just like tries to do all the little annoying things and it's just kind of whiny yeah but enough (laughs) about the best team in asu history the team that finally showed that the Sun Devils have surpassed the Wildcats in basketball. Of course, Arizona dealing with the investigations and the postseason bans and ASU, their top 10 recruiting class. Like, enough about how good the Sun Devils are right now. Like, let's get back to Arizona and what they did. <laughs> like, you look at this game. We could go to – we could talk about Monday's game. Tubelis was good. I mean, he was really good. He had five turnovers. That's concerning. But the guy's an offensive player. He's a good defender. He's gotten better. Ben, before he got hurt, was every bit the first-round pick we were afraid he's going to be you know, after this season. Terrell Brown was great. You know, Jordan Brown off the bench seems to be working. You know, Ira Lee hit a jumper. Dalen Terry has kind of settled into that bench role, too. Like, this team has – I don't know if they've peaked. And it's going to be hard to say for this team because we don't know what their peak is, right? They're not going to have March. They're not going to have that time to see if they really get it going. But in terms of roster construction and the juxtaposition, too, with ASU almost highlights it. Arizona's a really well-built team. It's well put together. They bought in as a team. They play hard. Like, Akinjo had the reputation as a selfish guy, right? As not a team player, not a pass-first point guard. He took 10 shots on Monday. He missed seven of them. But he also had six assists and one turnover. And he made the extra pass so many times. You know, his shots that he was taking, he's not forcing it. Whereas, like, Aroy Martin just shoots the ball because he wants to shoot. Akinjo takes good shots for the most part. You know, everybody seems to understand their Coloco. Like you said, he tried to dunk the ball. It didn't always work out, but he knows his role out there. Everyone on this team seems to have known their role and accepted their role, which I don't know if it's reading too much into it, but if these guys are trying to play for the next level, if they thought they were going pro after this season, they might look more like ASU. You know, we've, seen, we've seen Arizona teams with guys who were thinking about the NBA while they were playing for Arizona, and they didn't look like this Arizona team. 
This looks like a team that's just out there. They enjoy playing with each other. They enjoy playing hard. They want to get better, but they're only playing for that game. You know, they're not playing for anything down the road. And does that mean they're going to bring this team back largely next season? No, it doesn't. You know, that's where it's kind of getting ahead of myself. But it's hard not to watch this team and think of what could be next season, which normally an Arizona team, we wouldn't be saying that right now, but at 12 an Arizona team, you know, we'd be saying, oh, what could they do in March? Like if they could just keep getting better and better. But knowing that they're not going to be playing in the tournaments, you kind of start dreaming about, okay, well, this team's not lacking anything. They have everything they would need. They're bringing in some pretty decent recruits. Like, this is the team, right? Yeah. You know, one thing that's I think, helps make this team go in a low-key way, even despite being a talented player, and you're starting to... I feel like you started to see some of that development in him for the last two games is Dalen Terry, a guy that doesn't need the ball to be... or not doesn't need to be shooting the ball to be effective. He actually, if anything, has needed to learn to be more aggressive for his own shots. Um, you know, in the, against ASU, he had 13 points in the, in the, the game last week and eight in the game, in the game Monday night. And he would have had much more if he could, you know, hit better than four out of 10 free throws. Yeah. But like, he's a guy that he's started to develop a little bit. He's developed more confidence. He's been hitting some outside shots. He had a couple nifty drives, but he's a guy that's inherently trying to set other players up and be a playmaker. And that makes you feel really good. And I think he's kind of like one of those glue guys that can be effective on defense that doesn't need to be getting shots, but can help kind of facilitate for other guys. That but really he's willing to be roster. that glue guy. Yeah. And that, don't underestimate that value. You know, we've talked about how uh, the most un, like most underrated players are the players that are the most well-rounded and don't necessarily have a great individual skill, and the most overrated are the guys that have one great skill. He's that underrated player overall because he's really well-rounded, uh, and especially as he started to develop a, a little bit more of a scoring threat. But yeah, to your point, you know, it's going to be curious to see who comes back because I think the only two seniors on the roster are Terrell Brown and Ira Lee. And they could come back if they want. Could come back. Yeah. And you got the recruiting class coming in. You know, I I don't know if you've seen enough from Tubelis to, to, to leave early. And honestly, I don't know if Ben is fully there. Somebody well, might take a flyer on Just because you haven't seen enough doesn't mean they wouldn't go, right? I mean, even like sure. last year, Josh Green wasn't amazing. He ended up being a first-round pick to the Dallas Mavericks. You know, so it's... We'll see. And like what I'm saying is like these guys aren't thinking about the NBA this season. Like that could very well be true. But next season could also be different. <laughs> you know, they could have that Raleigh Alkins, you know, Ronda Hollister. Not that those guys were necessarily playing for the NBA, but you know, this year they're like, okay, I'm going to come back for the sophomore season. But my sophomore year, that's it. And things could change. But as of right now, this has been one of the most enjoyable Arizona teams we've been able to watch, I think, in recent memory. And Maybe that's partly due to the fact that we're not stressed about the tournament. You know, like obviously you'd want them to be there, but there is some level of liberation that comes from like, oh, well, just enjoy the game for the game. You know, but especially when you beat ASU, like you're going to enjoy that. There's no bad win against ASU, especially lately. So, you know, when you watch this team, they have a couple more games at home against Stanford and Cal. Um, we'll see. They, they lost to Stanford already this season. It was a close game. Up at the farm was the first time I think Sean Miller had lost to Stanford like since he's been at Arizona, which is crazy when you think about it because they've been a pretty decent team for a lot of that. But, you know, is it a big homestand? Yes, because Arizona's technically like they're still in the race to win the Pac-12 title, which is the only thing they can really win that's more than just a game this season. But like, when I think it's like we've been saying, just what does this team grow? Like, how do they grow? They get Kirk Chrissa back. I think next week for the Colorado game, so February 6th would be his first eligible game. Um, 
yeah, I, we'll see what happens with Ben with his ankle injury. But just this team, as we watch them, it's so much fun to just see them grow and to beat ASU twice. Like that's that's a lot of fun too. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I think I think it I think it matters a little bit more than it normally would for Arizona fans, given that uh, football game that happened a, a few. <laughs> I had know, tweeted out earlier back. in the game from my Twitter. I'm like. If Arizona wants to beat ASU by 63 or more points tonight, that would be great. That thing got a lot of traction. <laughs> they, I mean, to be fair, they were on pace for more than that for a large chunk of the game. <laughs> well, they were on pace to shut ASU out for, you know, the first yeah. seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I, think at one, I think at one point it was on pace for like 104 to zero, which probably <laughs> was not sustainable in hindsight. No, probably <laughs> not. But just like when you look at that, those two wins, like again, 12 and three, right now on the season, uh, six or three in the pack 12. We don't know how Arizona finishes things like this whole season is just wonky as all get up, but I, I just, I can't get over the juxtaposition with Arizona and ASU. ASU had the most talented team on paper that they've had in a long time. And they've dealt with COVID issues. Sure. Had some games or schedule, but they're, they're a lot. That's not a good excuse because they should be over that by now. They've played a few games. Like they should be able to be a competent basketball team. Their problems were highlighted even more because of Arizona's success. What Arizona did right being ready to play, having an offensive system, having guys who seem to like playing with each other and fit well next to each other. Like, those are all things that ASU doesn't have, and those are all things that Arizona's been like that in the past. We've, had, we've seen Arizona teams that they had more guys who were focused on the next level than what they are doing that night. You know, So to see this team, when Sean Miller put this roster together, Sean Miller and the coaching staff, uh, Jack Murphy, Jason Terry, like they, like when they all put this team together, we thought, oh, well, maybe it's the new direction for Sean Miller. You know, he's just more going for those three and four star recruits because he's building a team. He's not going for the one and done. He's not going for the NBA guys. He's going for what's a quote unquote Sean Miller type of team. Well, that's all good on and talk, but we have to see it play out. And it's not a great Pac-12. And again, ASU is not very good, but this might be a sign of that playing out. Yeah, and you, I mean, U of A is six and three, twelve in conference, twelve and three overall, third place. The only teams that are behind are UCLA and USC, who have both also looked to be the best in the conference outside mm-hmm. of Arizona, and that's two of Arizona's losses. Like, and those games weren't out of reach either. You no, know, USC kind of was. Well, <laughs> ish. They were well, never... after like the first five minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know it's the development of the roster makes you feel really good about what they're building, and every all. All comments from James Akinjo to, you know, Azulis Tubelis to, to everybody says this is the closest team they've ever been on. Um, I think, like you said, they like to play together, which augurs well for a significant chunk of them returning next year, um, if not if not all of them. I think it's unrealistic to have all the scholarship players come back. But, you know, if you can keep all but maybe one of the top contributors, you know, Ira Lee will be, be renting be able to rent cars before he finishes his time at Arizona um, at this pace. But you, you feel real good about the development and knowing that all these guys are ostensibly coming back with a pretty solid recruiting class. You, 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 it's hard to not feel optimistic about the future, assuming that there's not, you know, the other, the, the shoot to drop coming yeah, from uh, NCAA. That's, that's a dark cloud that hangs over them right now. But so far this season, Arizona has been, as good, if not a little bit better than what we were hoping for with what they had put together. And it kind of, I think everything, every year is a different year. 
If they bring this entire roster back, doesn't mean they're going to just dominate next season. But if they keep this momentum, they keep this together in this, that they keep this like, if this is what Sean Miller can really coach the best out of, guys are getting better. Azulis Tubelas has been getting better. Ben has been getting better. James Akinjo is not the player that he was thought to be when he was at Georgetown. <laughs> you know, like it's working. And that might be a sign that maybe Sean Miller and this coaching staff know what they're doing, both in recruiting and player development. You know, for all the flack they get, and there's it's warranted, especially Sean Miller, that there's been a lot of they haven't made a sweet sixteen or they they yeah, they haven't won a tournament game in how many years now? Four years, I wanna say. Well, no, five years. It was twenty sixteen when or no, it was twenty seventeen. I can't math. But regardless, it's been a while. They needed a year like this, and it's weird that the year that they needed could come in a year where they can't go to the tournament. You know, like you'd think Arizona fans would be upset about that. It's like you'd be watching this team going, man, if they could just get to the NCAA tournament, what could they do? I don't think anyone's looking at it that way. People are getting and saying, okay, we know they're not good enough to win a championship this season. We know that, assuming there is a championship, everything's still up in the air. But, man, next season, look out. Like that's such an interesting way to see things as an Arizona basketball fan. I'd rather them be eligible for the tournament this season, yeah. But right now, this team is validating Sean Miller. And that coaching staff. And I think that's important. Well, you said it shows that Miller and staff know what they're doing in terms of recruiting and player development. I think Terrell Brown is the perfect example of both of those things. Like going to a small university, used to be a walk-on guy, basically an undersized scoring guard, you know, had very few assists because that's what he wasn't asked to do. And it was like, how is he going to fit in with the James Akinjo and all these things? There's a plenty of question marks. You know, we talked about, hey, maybe it makes sense if you if you have Jason Terry and Sean Miller understanding what his role is, blah, blah, blah. You know, Terrell Brown has been at, you know, exceeded our highest expectations, I think, uh, even a best case scenario. And I think he's the perfect example. And honestly, he's the I'm I'm almost most concerned about losing him from the current roster next year, not because he's going to go to the NBA, but because he's you know, he's an older player and he can he's probably played himself into like a six figure salary playing overseas. Like yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's hard to turn that down. It would be, but <sighs> I'll take it though. Like it, it all looks good on the program and what they're doing. Like to side you know, put them side by side with ASU who's not maximizing their talent. Arizona is maximizing their talent, getting guys to improve, and that just looks good for the program. But you know, football, by the way, we're gonna talk about football today, Brett, on this this week's show. Arizona landed a quarterback. They've landed a couple quarterbacks, uh, one of them was a local guy through the transfer portal. They've been recruiting heavily in the state of Arizona. We're going to talk to Ralph Amston, who knows all things Arizona high school football, right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back. And as promised, we are joined by Ralph Amsden of Arizona Varsity. He does a podcast of the Pact of Apostles that you can find with George Reitster. Basically, we're bringing him on because he knows all things Arizona high school football. And as we previewed, Arizona football grabbed a quarterback, Gunnar Cruz, who is a local product who 
transferred in from Washington State, and for a team that doesn't really have a starting quarterback, he seems like he might be the guy. Ralph, first off, welcome to the show. Second, Gunner Cruz to Arizona. What are your initial thoughts on that? That's a really big deal. I mean, this is uh, probably the most physically mature quarterback to come out of Arizona high school football outside of Ty Thompson, who is the five-star number one quarterback in the country who just committed uh, to Oregon. So, I mean, this is this is somebody who is physically ready to go, super tall, broad-shouldered, very like muscular, tough kid, um, who is sort of a, an interesting situation. He went to a high school that threw a million times um, in Castile High School out in Queen Creek. Uh, but when he first started playing, he was part of the very first ever graduating class there. So they started at the 3A level and they played some like mountain town competition. <laughs> uh, they, they won a state championship when he was just a junior. But a lot of people were frustrated with the fact that they won the state championship because they were a 1500 person school playing against three and 400 person schools but they had no seniors on that team so the next year they jumped all the way up to 5a and they took on some of the toughest competition and the thing i was most curious about was how would he hold up how would he look and he looked great he, he did absolutely fantastic um held his own and he, he even got in a game uh, that i saw for for washington state this year and he didn't look lost and that that's nice they had kind of a a super freshman that that fit rolovich's system a little bit better. And then they went and even recruited over him uh, by bringing in Jared Guarantano. So uh, Gunnar Cruz is kind of the odd man out. I would not look at him as used goods, damaged goods. I think this is a very, very good pickup for University of Arizona. Given that background and knowing that we have Will Plummer, you know, pride of Gilbert High School, if it's not me, because I'm also a Gilbert (laughs) Tiger. Hey, Um, there you go. You know, I'm curious to know I mean, there's also Kevin Doyle, uh, who, of course, people on, on the Twitter.com machine will know that there, at least Arizona fans will know there are some strong beliefs about Kevin Doyle and what he, he is and what he can be. What's your read? It's kind of like an outside, you know, a non-fan perspective, but somebody that has at least a good good sense of both Will Plummer and Gunnar Cruz of, you know, do you think there's a leader in the clubhouse for the starting spot for, for Arizona next year, based on your knowledge of the two players? I think any time that you have a new coaching staff go out and get a quarterback, I think you have to give them every single benefit of the doubt. I think that anybody who is already on the roster has to understand that they went out and got somebody because they looked at the roster and and said, we need somebody else in here. And so um, if I'm, if I'm Will Plummer, Will Plummer is an interesting one because he's a super raw athlete. Um, he is a football player above all else. When they put him in against Arizona State and he immediately uh, tried to put his shoulder down and, and truck somebody, um, like that's the Will Plummer that I'm used to. And I think uh, the thing that I like most about Will Plummer is that Gilbert, your Gilbert Tigers, were not good. They were not deep. Um, and he made do. And so. I almost felt it if they were not able to bring anybody else in, I would almost feel it more appropriate to roll with the guy who is used to making the absolute most out of, out of the opportunity um, who has a big arm, isn't afraid to make mistakes and maybe needs to chill it out with the tough guy stuff on the field a little bit, but, but can actually get you some first downs and, and, uh, and, you know, um, 
turn some chicken shit into chicken salad, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, with, with Kevin Doyle, I mean, he's that that that's the big mystery because you have some people out there in the Twitter sphere saying that he's the second coming. And then you have a bunch of people saying if he was that good, he would, he, he'd, have, he'd have been in already. So um, I, I will admit that he's a curiosity to me. Uh, I know what you get with Gunnar Cruz. Um, which is somebody who's physically ready to go in and probably probably more physically ready to go in and, and be a lot more like the quarterback you just had uh, skip town. Um, but maybe not the uh, maybe not the the accuracy and just overall experience, because I think uh, Greg and experience that he had was really valuable, even though it was, you know, switching back back and forth with Khalil Tate. So it, me looking at the roster, the way it's currently constructed it would it would make sense to me if if Will Plummer ended up being the guy, but I, when you bring somebody in who's just that big and that talented, um, I, I mean, it, you have to figure Gunnar Cruz is the clubhouse leader. So, so what you're saying though is that Will Plummer is used to playing on a team with zero talent, which makes him a better fit to start for Arizona going forward. That that's what it's it sounds not even like. A joke in a way, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> But, I mean, I, I felt that way, obviously, before Jed Fish came in and convinced half the people who had one foot out the door to come back in. That, yeah. Like, that, that's, and that's enormous. The, I, I mean, pretty much everybody besides Drew Dixon, right? Well, I guess Majon Wright left, then came back, and now decided to leave again. Oh, okay. That's fun. <laughs> but like, that's actually going to be kind of my next question, because obviously Gunnar Cruz, he's coming home so to speak like that's his that was the tweet about coming home to Arizona he didn't play school you know didn't go to high school in Tucson but obviously the local connection to the University of Arizona and Arizona under Jed Fish has seemed to make such a huge push for local recruiting and Brad and I have talked on Wildcat Radio 2.0 many times about how yes all things being equal it's great to recruit Arizona guys like of course but just get the best talent wherever you can get it you know if they come from Texas from California Nevada it doesn't matter that they're not from Arizona if they're good bring them to the program but it certainly seems like there's been this push for Arizona, and it's new. It's something that I don't know if anyone else, like if ASU is doing that, for instance, like they say sometimes, but it's easier to talk about it than to do it in practice. What's your read on what Arizona is actually doing in practice under Jed Fish when in terms to recruiting Arizona and the state? I'm going to do my best not to go on like a two-hour rant right here <laughs> because this has been my biggest frustration in covering Arizona colleges and high schools um, over the last going on nine years now, everybody comes in with the idea that they want to recruit Arizona prospects and Arizona high schools, and then they get discouraged and and they don't stay consistent with it. And when they don't get players, instead of just uh, turning the page and moving on to the next available prospect and continuing to build on the relationships that you have with the coaches and communities that are out there, um, a lot of them just kind of turn their backs. And I remember University of Arizona back in, uh, I want to say almost 2017, maybe early 2018, they offered almost the entire in-state class of 2020. And then I think they fired the recruiting coordinator and then just never followed up with any of those kids. Oh, and I was great. talking with the dad of one of those kids um, who uh, is at a Power 5 school uh, and actually played in a couple of games uh, last year who had said he sent me a photograph of about eight Arizona kids who were all playing major college football right now, all in University of Arizona gear, saying they all would have committed if University of Arizona just would have stayed uh, um, uh, consistent. 
and had they not had had when they made staff turnover, there had been communication. You're talking about eight guys playing major college football elsewhere who were all best of friends, who all actually started off, I think, in Tucson uh, early on in their youth football days, and a few of them actually moved up uh, to the Valley. Said every single one of them would have considered uh, signing with University of Arizona to play together had that consistency been there. And I just, I, I thought to myself, like, that is so ridiculous that University of Arizona and Arizona State don't do what it takes. Because you're absolutely right, Adam. You should get the best players available no matter where they play. That should be your primary focus. But what you have to understand is the state of Arizona is getting to the point where the top 50 guys in every class are worthy of playing Division One football, whether FCS or FBS. You can't come away with two guys every year. You can't. And none in the top 15. The only reason that that happens is because you don't offer them early. You're not first, which Jed Fish has done a really good job of getting in and, and identifying some young talent like the uh, quarterback from Desert Mountain High School in Scottsdale who, who has never even played varsity. That kid's first offer came from University of Arizona. He's going to remember that for the rest of his life. And so you have to get in there early and then you have to keep consistent communication. And that's the one thing that I feel like University of Arizona and Arizona State have, have failed to do is if they are identifying talent early, they lose communication over time, which is what happened to almost the entire class of 2020 with the University of Arizona. Um, and, and stuff like that ends up costing coaches uh, their, their job. And I remember um, uh, Demetrius Martin, Coach Meat. Mm-hmm. I went um, to him and uh, the wide receivers coach when they first got on staff. I approached them at a high school football game. I said, my name is Ralph Amston. I'm with Rivals. I know you guys had previously dealt with my California uh, counterpart when you guys were out there, Blair Angulo. I'm your guy for anything that you need, anything that you need on anybody here. I don't want anything in return. I don't want like any time. I'm good on that. But if I can help you get to know these Arizona kids a little bit better, I would absolutely love to, to, to do that for you. Anything to help these kids flourish and thrive. And they're like, we're good. I mean, right, man. they weren't, but excuse me, I'm going to go walk into traffic right now after that whole thing about eight Division One guys, Power Five. Yeah. I, I don't need to hear this right now because Arizona mm-hmm. obviously could have used some good players over the last couple of seasons. Right. Yeah, Adam, Adam, I need a break to go scream into a pillow for about <laughs> 10 minutes. But it's, just, it's frustrating because I probably, I'm, I'm talking to college coaches, and especially my team and the guys that work for me at Arizona Varsity, we're talking to college coaches every single day. I'm going into year nine of doing this. And do you, I, I mean, I'm. we talk to college coaches every day from all over the, country especially all over the pac-12 mountain west and big sky um i would like you to take a guess on the number of times that arizona or arizona state either one has ever reached out to me or my team for help with anything in nine years i mean i'm sure it's i have more fingers than number of times you've been asked brett what do you think it's it's zero i was gonna say i was gonna set the over under it one half but do you yeah, see it's, it's, like, it's zero i thought we talk to all these colleges all the time about all these kids and and arizona and arizona state have consistently been been convinced that they can do this on their own there's been sort of a level of 
of arrogance and resentment when it comes to the local kids. And you can't have that. You have to be humble and come to them and say, hey, we haven't been good for a really long time. It would make sense that you wouldn't consider us, but we want to build with you. And if you want to choose somewhere else, we understand the transfer market. We will be open to you coming back to us if you choose to leave initially. You have to go hat in hand to these kids and say, "We." it says Arizona on our damn jersey. Like, we are you. You are us. But that's very important. You, you, one could say they should say it's personal uh, at Arizona. What does um, that mean? I've been seeing that uh, every <laughs> single coach. What, what's, have, have they explained that yet? No, it's like a jetfish tweet. It's left to interpretation, I think. Yeah, my 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 interpretation of it is I think that the the <laughs> there's something clarifying about the 70 to 7 shellacking uh to your in-state rival uh, right that uh shall we say roused the alumni base of former players to the point of I think I think it, my guess is it emerged out of that and it's becoming something where it's you know you take some pride in it, it's personal kind of thing. Um, so but that's like the whole like Devin Booker revenge tour thing. Kind of. Only happened. Devin Booker was good before his revenge tour. Arizona football <laughs> was not before theirs. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have a kind of a follow up question to what you were talking about, Ralph, because you know you you mentioned how like you even have some guys that you know traditionally a lot of the top talent in the state has wanted to has wanted to leave or shall we say the people around them have wanted them to leave like Arizona saw that with Devonte Neal with the debacle of him and his dad wrestling over Arizona versus Notre Dame he eventually went to Notre Dame and then came back to Arizona never really panned out as the five star type guy um but you know Jed Fish so far in addition to re-recruiting guys back out of the transfer portal they've gotten some uh, relatively young transfers you know not just Gunnar Cruz you know look talking about Drake Anderson Gunnar Maldonado, uh, yeah. you know, some like guys that are going to be not there. They may not be superstars, but they're they will certainly be useful players and are still relatively young. I'm curious, as you're pretty well plugged in with these kids uh, at these, especially at these big programs, how much do you think having a you know redshirt freshman type guys coming back that are only a year or two removed from from their high schools coming back to Arizona? How much does that help in recruiting the existing talent at those schools? You know, do they have personal connections? Do they show that, hey, I've I've gone out of state, you know, and it's maybe not, it's not all it's cracked up to be when we can do this right here and have your family, you know, an hour away or an hour and a half away. Yeah, there are some guys who mean a ton to the community that they come from, and you want to provide every opportunity for them to succeed as quickly as possible because it's not it's it, it's tough. Uh, for, for those players to have the patience necessary uh, if they come there right out of high school to sit and and to learn. So when you have a guy like Gunnar Maldonado who went out to the Big Ten and, and saw how things worked out there and decided he he's very family-oriented, it made sense that he'd want to be closer to home. But that kid has an enormous family. He has roots going back into the city of Chandler that go back decades and decades and decades. His uh, his aunt is a classmate of, of mine from, you know, my, my time growing up um, in Chandler. He's incredibly well known, well respected. And then amongst the Arizona high school football community, we've we've hyped him as the hardest hitting, most exciting, quickest twitch uh, free safety to come out of the best program 
in the state for a really long time. So for people like me, it's incredibly exciting to see him come closer to home, maybe play a style of football that's a little bit more befitting to him. And it, it and and then the um, it's like a balloon that you've blown up before. When you go to blow it up, up a second time, it just fills up that much easier. Um, that that's the way that I look at uh, guys like Gunnar Maldonado. Like that excitement was already there built up in the things that he did in his high school career. So if he's able to go to Tucson and show out, there's a bunch of people who are just waiting to be fired up for his success. I've felt the same way about Jamari Joyner, who ever we're all just waiting for him to be given the opportunities to do the things that he can do. It did not surprise me that he had a hundred college coaches following him within 24 hours of announcing that he was leaving Tucson. That's why I thought it was the probably the most incredible thing they could have done was find a way to get him back in the fold. Um, and then the, the really, really cool thing about Drake Anderson, a guy like him is he doesn't have a ton of mileage on him as a running back. He missed his entire junior year of high school due to like double hip surgery or something like that. He is, he is an like his lateral movements are incredible. Um, he's really, really good at at creating in space and getting himself to space. Something that was a little bit tougher to do at the at the at the Big Ten level. And so I think he'll be an excellent addition for University of Arizona. But when those guys have success, that like people are already used to cheering for them. That'll just come back. That'll be natural. It'll be a lot like what you see with 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 Chase Lucas at Arizona State. Everybody roots for him just that much more. DJ Foster, they root for him just that much more, just because there's that history there. And and that's why I'm really, really excited that, you know, uh, win or lose next year, I think as long as you can showcase what some of these players can do, that's when you're really going to make the impact. That's when players from all over the state are going to be able to look at these players that they played with and then see themselves in their shoes. Hey, we're joined by <laughs> Ralph Amston here from uh, Arizona Varsity. He's on Pac-12 Apostles. He hates whatever your favorite team is on Twitter. We all know that. Um, Brett, looks like you had another question, though. Go for it. Sorry. Oh, I, was, I was just going to say, is there, is there a more befitting situation for Gunnar Maldonado, the hard-hitting, quick twitch local kid to go to Arizona and be coached as a position coach by Chuck Cecil, by the way. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen like a better marriage of a local pro- product and like local legend in the state of Arizona come together in that kind of way. I'm excited about that. And uh, one, one of the other really cool things about doing what I do is I get to see a lot of these high school kids before um, any college coach does. And one of the one of the kids that I got the most excited about out of the camp, he's not a local kid, he's from California, uh, was Christian Roland Wallace. And I guarantee you, if you go to my Twitter and you search his name, the first person ever saying that he deserved a Division One offer before anyone ever was me. I saw him at a camp and I was like, this guy has absolutely everything. And it has broken my heart to see him not necessarily be always in the right position to succeed, but still being able to see like or he's got his jump correctly uh, to succeed with Arizona's one chance to win a game last season. <laughs> right. right. So like he, I, I, I look at guys like him. There are, there are good players. I, I struggle with what's going on on the, on the offensive and defensive lines for, for to be able to foresee sustained success for Arizona has been really tough the last three years when you have to bring Stephen Bailey in and start him. Like, you don't have a choice. Um, 
when you have to bring Roy Lopez uh, in and start him because you don't have a choice. Like but those Lopez was good things, though. He was really good. Oh no, he's incredible. But he, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be having to go to New Mexico State for their best defensive lineman every year. You think that shouldn't be the situation that University of Arizona is in. Like he should have been a great complement to what they had going on. You shouldn't have said like our best defensive lineman. Uh, was not recruited by anybody in in the Pac-12. Um, fun fact, fun Roy Lopez fact. Um, just having him as part of the alumni base is going to be such a great thing now that his dad got hired at Desert Ridge High School because there's a lot of talent there. It means his dad's going to be University of Arizona fan forever. One thing that people don't know about Roy Lopez is he was on the best high school team ever assembled in the state of Arizona, but it didn't get to go anywhere because. Uh, Roy Lopez um, was suspended for for some type of internal investigation they were doing. He was cleared, and then he decided not to come back to the job because he didn't appreciate getting um, suspended. But that team had Roy Lopez, Nikhil Harry, Byron Murphy, and Isaiah Polamau and and Jeez. Matthew Polamau, all on the same exact <laughs> high school team. They all transferred out, every single one of them, to different high schools Oof. and then obviously onto their um, college careers. But, like, that's a guy you want on your side. That's one of um, the, the most well-respected men in all of Arizona is Roy Lopez Sr. And you want, you want that guy as part of your alumni base. Um, and, and the other thing, I know, I know you guys are going to ask this question anyway, but I do want to say that high school coaches all across Arizona are – They've been starving for attention from the in-state schools besides Chris Ball up at NAU. They have loved that Jed Fish and his whole staff have been in contact with them repeatedly over the last month. I was talking to one coach who is the uh, the head coach of a 20, I guess it'd be 2022 quarterback who already has multiple uh, uh, offers, none from the Pac-12 yet that I'm good kind of in the will Plummer mold only has already started three like he started freshman sophomore junior year already okay. um very very good quarterback uh and and he was like and he's he's tweeting the head coach is tweeting at jed fish offer my guy like you won't regret it. now you have guys that that want to see their guys play for university of arizona i see stuff like that um with well, with someone's staff not at all yeah, it's 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 that's heartening to hear, and it makes me less want to scream into a pillow. You know, <laughs> uh, you're you can send your my pillow back, this. Brett. It's fine. You can return it. You don't need it anymore. It's it's you're good. Yeah, you know, you're basically confirming a lot of the things that were in the the athletic story a year or two ago, and I think even the someone crew. You know, you talked about recruiting the the lines in state. I do feel like the someone uh, staff maybe too little too late started to get some of the the more local kids like on the lines like reagan terry uh davis duvall we had him and his dad on from a you know a notre dame prep i believe is where he went to, to high school kind of a late bloomer type yeah yeah he could be good yeah and you know he's he went to prep school for a year registered for a year and so he's got four years of eligibility but he's two years more physically mature yeah. right um you know you talk about all those relationships and develop it seems like there's there are green shoots of optimism, it would seem, if you're an Arizona fan, in terms of recruiting in the state of Arizona. You know, what what do you think in the next five years, what do you think is a reasonable, you know, you talked about top top 50 state of Arizona players are all playing in some level of college sports. 
you know, let's just focus on like the top 30, which those are more like the D1 types. What's a, what's a reasonable target for Arizona in a local recruiting class year in, year out? I think that you should, I, I think that you should reasonably expect as an in-state school, if you do things the right way, if you get into content, if you, first of all, you have to set up a system by which if you do have success and you lose a bunch of assistants, like Arizona State did a few years ago, where the entire staff went to go coach at Memphis, you have to have a system in place where the people that leave end up getting replaced in the relationship hierarchy. Arizona State didn't do that, and that's when everything fell apart for them. You had a guy like Jake Smith, who was the National Gatorade Player of the Year, who was classmates with Todd Graham's son at Notre Dame Prep with Davis DeBall. Arizona State wasn't even one of his first 10 offers. And he was the head coach's son's classmate and the best receiver on the entire West Coast. Like, that's the type of stuff you have to avoid because it happened to Arizona when they when they let their recruiting coordinator go. So a reasonable expectation would be that if you do have some sec- success, that's going to attract recruits. But... If you have success, that's going to mean that some of your coaches get hired to go do other stuff. You have to be able to replace those those relationships, which means you already have to pinpoint some guys that you might want to hire if the people that you have on staff end up leaving to go elsewhere. You have to pay attention to the guys that are recruiting Arizona well and then go and get them to be on your staff when you eventually cycle out some, some employees. So as long as they've got their eye on the ball with that, I think – Four or five years from now, if you still have Jed Fish on this super financially friendly contract, that you should expect to have three guys coming in every year from the state of Arizona that are ready to play on day one. You should have three guys that are coming in every single year that are ready to be role players. And you should have two or three bounce backs that went that went elsewhere and are are coming to, to U of A, uh, realizing that they want to stay a little bit closer to home. Ralph, one more question for you before we let you go. I was actually listening to that Pac-12 Apostles from earlier in January. And you were talking about the Jed Fish hire, and neither you nor George seemed too excited about that. And there were even some laughs about Jed Fish, and we were all in the same boat. I, like still, we, I, still, I still don't like it, but he's doing everything right. right. And that's what I'm getting at. Like, Brett and I, we talked about we were not necessarily angry, but we were underwhelmed by the hire. But it seems like a month in, the way you're talking about how the high school coaches are really excited about him reaching out, the staff reaching out, and the inroads are trying to make with their Arizona Swarm, bringing local kids back through the transfer portal, trying to get them just to come in as freshmen. Like, has that tune changed? Like, are you hearing all that just like, hey, maybe this hire, like, we don't necessarily believe, like, we don't know why it happened, but this thing might work. Is that the impression that you're starting to get? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it reminds me of uh, I I went to a show once. It was a Fleet Foxes show. I don't know if you guys listen to them, but I'm I'm, I'm a Brett big fan. Wood, he's the music guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm a big Fleet Foxes fan, and we we go to the show, and we expected them to be closing the show, and we get there, and they're opening for some band that I I may have heard of once or twice, but um, we didn't expect them to be on the bill. We didn't even expect them to be on the tour, and I was kind of bummed because I knew their their set was going to get cut short, and I didn't care about this other band. I didn't want to see this other band. I was excited for the band that I was excited for. And then Fleet Foxes gets off the stage. This other band gets on, and every single thing they do is perfect in the first song. And every single thing they do is perfect in the second song. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, like, maybe we were wrong. Um, and, like, my wife and I had a babysitter, and we had to leave right then, and we didn't. We waited five more. We got seven songs in. 
And I didn't even get like the full 10 song set list. I walked away thinking this is the best concert I've ever been to. It was Bonnie Vare. It was like, and of, of course, like a, a couple of months later, they're winning Grammys and everything like that. And I just, I had no, I had no idea. I had my idea of what I thought was good. And then I was shown something completely different. And that's, I looked at this University of Arizona thing and, and I did not expect this to be able to put them in a position for maximum uh, output, but they're hitting all the right notes every single time. Every single thing so far has been good. And, and, and it doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to blow you out of the water, but they have to do the necessary things. And they've done all of those. Everybody seems to be on the same page. Uh, the accessibility is huge. The use of social media is huge. Reaching out to local high school uh, coaches is huge. Getting people to know individual members of the staff that might have a good resume for football guys, but the, it might not necessarily mean anything to the kids. That's been really, really big. Um, I, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm hanging on a lot longer than I thought I would, and I'm really interested to see what's going to happen next. Hey, hey, Ralph, I was... I, I, I was at that concert. And I'll make <laughs> you feel bad because the actually the opening opening band was the Walkmen, who are also great. That was legitimately top to bottom one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to. So I'm glad you was like clapping in the background, yeah. Because uh, also the Walkmen really kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was I, I'm pretty sure I called that concert Hipster Palooza 2014 or whatever it was because it was basically micro targeted at me, but. I, I personally want to express my appreciation for that story because it allows me to talk about hipster music <laughs> in go. a concert I was at. <laughs> well, Ralph, before we let you go then officially, uh, is there anything you want to plug, anything that's going on with Arizona Varsity or Pact of Apostles, anything that people want to find that's not your Twitter again because we've established you hate everyone's favorite team. So whoever logs in to follow you there is going to be really upset with you. <laughs> but is there anything you want people to find and actually read of yours? Yeah, I man, I... Oh, I feel so. I'm I'm really happy to be on this because I, I I think maybe people from um, maybe I'm really bad at conveying who I am as a human being via social media. It was really cool to talk to you guys face to face. I want to plug anything. I want to plug your show. More people should listen to this show. That's all I got. Well, that's terrific. We we appreciate. It. You can come back anytime with that type of attitude. <laughs> cool. I'm in. <laughs> Ralph Amston, Arizona Varsity, Pact of Apostles. Thanks for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again down the road. All right, bye, Brett. Bye, Adam. Thanks again to Ralph Amsden for joining Wildcat Radio 2.0. Brett, there's a lot of football to talk about. When we come back from this break, let's get into it. Welcome back. And as talked about, like that was great stuff from Ralph Amsden. Again, like the Arizona swarm recruiting focus has been the talk of Twitter, largely. And it's good to hear that the high school coaches in Arizona are all about it. You know, because Jed Fish, for all of us, I think we're all in the same boat. Probably everyone other than maybe, well, definitely Robert Robbins and maybe Dave Peaky too, who were not on board when Fish was hired at first. We've all had to be convinced to a degree, everyone to a different degree, and some people are going to say, well, he needs to win games first before they'll believe, and that's fine. But for the people saying, like what Ralph was saying, everything he's done at this point has been the right thing. You know, he's making all the right moves, the coaching hires, the way they're reaching out to the Arizona recruits, the way they're bringing certain guys back. They, You know, the, the roster they're building, what they're doing is everything right so far. And it's not just Arizona guys. Like, they're bringing in transfers, some guys you can say, oh, those are impact transfers, too. It's not just that they're bringing local guys. They're bringing good players in. Yeah, you know, 
we talked about it even when we, you know, I think I said I was uh, skeptical but optimistic with the Jedfish hire. And, you know, like if you wanted to convince yourself, uh, you know, of his best qualities, you know, it was the network. You know, the, the flip side of job hopping is you have a pretty strong football network. And Ralph talked about that where you need to have like guys tapped and relationships and be able to, you know, can work a room and convince people that this is a place for them and sets them up for their career. Um, but also, I think the we talked about weeks ago after the hire was, you know, you need somebody that's kind of a grinder. And I think from like the Arizona Swarm, all of the messaging out, reaching out to all these high schools, work in the transfer portal, both for your own guys and otherwise, and having a pretty clear plan that's already been clearly thought out and being executed on, to me points to, you know, it supports the notion that, yeah, he is a grinder that's intelligent and thinking these things through. You know, so far, you know, so good that you you you'd feel better if Clay Millen didn't decommit. Or well, but then if, you wouldn't have Gunnar Cruz probably. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's kind of one of those things where you can't expect literally everything to go your way, um, and so I think as good as could possibly have been hoped for so far, with the giant massive caveat that you know Arizona still is on a big losing streak and hasn't but, won a game yet, and but until you to, see it on the field, it's it's not real. To that point, though, like Arizona when the season ended was in such a low place, like from their own fans were just at best apathetic. I mean, maybe that's actually the worst. At best, they were pissed. At worst, they were apathetic. And then nationally, any like they were a punchline, especially after that game. That was an ESPN game. Like, how can you watch it and think of any Arizona anything other than just like what a joke, right? And then they hired Jed Fish, who does have some national connections. Sure, he wasn't a big name person. He wasn't Herm Edwards, who was on ESPN, but he was a name enough. But it's what he's done locally, and that's the most important thing right now. Like, where Arizona football is at is in such a much. It's in a better spot. And the roster itself, they've lost some guys to the transfer portal, yes, but what they've brought in, both recruiting and traditional transfers, it's been good. You know, they brought in a Western Michigan grad transfer, Trayshawn Hayward, who was one of the best players in the MAC, the 2019 MAC Defensive Player of the Year at a position in need. He's coming to Arizona, right? They got another Harris. <laughs> we were talking to Ralph after the show, a little bit off the air, but just what Arizona has done to keep both Harris, like to not only keep the one, but to get the other when. It might have been they might have had zero Harris, and now they have two Harris, which is I think the plural of Harris is or Harris is Meese. But you know, like, what, but just like what they're doing here, it's just it's a lot of positive momentum. And yes, Mejon Wright deciding to transfer again, that 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 stings because we've talked about him how he he looks like he has the makings of an NFL player, and it'd be nice to have him, but. If that's the worst loss you have now, of like since things got good, because yeah, when Gunnell left, that that hurt. But you got Booby Curry back. You got Jamari Joyner back, like Ralph said. Jamari Joyner is just that type of guy, and we talked about Jamari Joyner going to last season as a type of guy who could be an NFL player. So just it's been a lot of good things, and for a program that needed like the bar was very low for Arizona to have optimism, but they've cleared it with some room to spare. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, could, I have a. Interesting question, I think, for you, Adam. You know, given what Arizona has lost through attrition and transfers, namely your high three, low four-star, state record-setting starting quarterback, first and foremost, as it stands today, even with a few spots left in this recruiting class, is the roster today uh, 
better, worse, or the same than it was when when you know Kevin Sumlin's roster going into last season? You you lose Gunnell, but you bring in Gunnar Cruz. You have Will Plummer, who each of them could be decent for you. You assume the coaching staff is just better. <laughs> um, Roster-wise, I mean, no Lorenzo Burns brought in Rutherford. Like, you have some talent there. You have Christian Rowan Wallace still. You bring J.B. Brown back into the fold, too. Like, I don't think it's worse than last season. Like, it probably leans better. Now, granted, they were a zero-win team last season who we could say that. I mean, they got blown out in two games. They were competitive in three of them. You know, you could argue they should have beat USC to open the season. If they win that game, who knows? It's I mean, that's football. That's sports. But no, I don't think they're a worse team, like worse roster-wise than they were last season. But then if you factor in that, if you believe in this coaching staff, which I know we do with the guys that Jed Fish has brought in to Tucson, then you think they'll be able to get the most. I mean, we were talking about last week, Don Brown. He's like, on defense, especially, hey, this guy can rush the quarterback. We'll bring him in to rush the quarterback. doesn't matter if he can't, you know, do anything else. Like, you find a spot for them if they can do it. So if you buy into that, and right now I do, I'll admit that, I buy into it, then this team has to be in better shape. Just roster-wise, even if it's just as good as it was last season, the coaching alone will make that as good roster better. Well, I think when you factor in the opt-out guys coming back for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the transfers that have come in are not, you know, Gunnar Cruz, Trayson Howard, Jason Harris. Those are, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the, the corner from Rutherford. Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah. I, between all of that, you know, Trayson Howard was the, the Mac 20. And I mean, it's a smaller conference, but he was the defensive of the year. In in the state of Michigan, where you you think that Doctor Blitz Don Brown knows knows what he's doing when well, he's I'm sure that's to why that. he came to Arizona too was to play for Don yeah. Brown. Um, and it seems like you know where form meets function, right? In terms of the player fitting the scheme, um, I I would venture to guess that this you know with maybe the the giant question mark of the quarterback spot until somebody proves themselves. You know, both Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer have a lot to like about them, and and even and Kevin, Kevin Doyle, Doyle to too. some extent. Yeah. You know, he's even, he's the bigger, like, you know, he's the mystery box. Would you like to go for the box, Adam? The box. The box. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, a boat is a boat, but a mystery box is a mystery box. It could be anything. Even a boat. Had to get our uh, Simpsons quota reference. No, that, that's Family Guy. Oh, damn it. How embarrassing Come on, Brett. Come on. I hang my head in shame. Good. Um, you know, I... The, 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 with the the glaring question mark that is the quarterback spot, I I would venture to guess that the roster top to bottom is better, <laughs> with certainly with more certainly with more depth, especially when you get some of the opt in opt out guys opting back in for the next season. Yeah, it's definitely easier to feel good, especially after talking to Ralph. <laughs> you know, but I think like when we've talked to different guys, we talked to Bruce Feldman how many weeks ago. You know, like it's just like the more you hear, like okay. This could work, and like even Ralph was saying, like he wasn't buying into it at first, but is he still on the? He's still hanging on to the ride, like he's on board still. You know, <laughs> like I think that's that's the best case scenario. And when we say the roster, I mean they, they're a zero win team last season. I can say they were probably that they were in three of those five games, but they still won zero games. They got the last time we saw them, they lost by sixty three points. So it's hard to argue that they're they were a good roster. But with the right coaching and with like the fresh, it's just, it's a fresh perspective for them now, you know, with a new coaching staff to try to be like, Hey, things can be different. And that's the, that's what you want to get out of a coaching change. And it seems like Arizona has gotten that. Plus they've been able to bring in talent and keep talent. Like it certainly feels better. Now feelings don't equal wins, 
But for right now, as we sit on January 26th, as we're recording this, I'll take feeling better. I mean, everything feels better when you compare it to 70 to 7. That's true. That's true. But so anyway, <laughs> thanks to Ralph Amson again for joining us today. You can follow his stuff, azvarsity.com. You can also follow him on Twitter, but actually he probably wouldn't want you to do that because everyone who follows him on Twitter, there's two groups. You either love him or you hate him. I think he's entertaining. He's got some really good insight, especially into Arizona high school football. But follow Ralph at your own peril, I guess. He'd probably, there's a warning label. He'd probably understand that too. <laughs> but <laughs> otherwise, thank you for listening to this week. Obviously, this was a fun show. You know, when you sweep yeah. ASU basketball, that's always good. Football is in a good spot right now as well. Um, so that's, I like wins. They're, they're more enjoyable to talk about, right, Brett? Do we feel good about that? Yes, I, I I feel good about wins. Hashtag good, yeah. analysis. Yeah, no, that's what you got to hear on Wildcat Radio 2.0. Uh, th- yeah, thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribing to us. You can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, pretty sure you get your podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. You're likely to find some of Brett's handiwork, especially during basketball games. It's a lot of fun. Um, if you do find us on iTunes or Spotify, make sure you review us. We like that. Rate, review. Also, subscribe. Again, we can't stress that enough. Subscribe. But Arizona basketball has a couple of games this week against the Bay Area schools. We'll see how those go. Football, of course, has a couple of scholarships listed to fill. And I think signing days, what, two weeks out now? The second signing day? I want to I want to say it's February 5th, but I could be wrong on that. No, that sounds right. So, yeah, about two weeks about two weeks or so. Ah, February 3rd. So one week then. Ooh. Oh, eight days from when we're recording this. But anyways, whatever happens between this week and next week, we're going to talk about on Wildcat Radio 2.0. So until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.